we've been praying all morning that the Lord would speak to us today, and we believe he's going to. So uh, this is the passage that the Lord laid on my heart for for us to, to look into today, and there's uh, a couple of really kind of notable things to, to, to see here, I think. I want to kind of draw out, or attempt to draw out three things from this passage, um, and that is to call us to a greater dependence on God's power and a greater dependence on God's wisdom and rooted in a greater dependence and understanding of God's goodness. Uh, Romans says it's the goodness of God that draws men to repentance, and so that's what we're uh, that's what we're asking for today. So, um, if you have uh, been to church much, you may have heard this story at some point. If you grew up going to Sunday school, this is a, a story that is repeated in all three of what are called the Synoptic Gospels. That's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, there's a, if you haven't been to church much. The very beginning of your New Testament has four stories about Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, John is an eyewitness. Uh, Matthew and Mark and Luke um, are drawing from various accounts. Luke begins his, his gospel by saying that uh, basically he, he just decided, hey, you know, we got a few stories going around. I want to actually take a minute. It seemed like a good idea to, to go back and just give an orderly account of all the things that have been Going on. That's how he starts in Luke chapter 1, and he continues that story through the book of Acts. Um, and so Luke went and he talked to eyewitnesses and he put it all together. Luke was a doctor. And so we get, we get kind of a, a little more of a. Um, um, we get a lot of Jesus as a healer. We get a lot of Jesus as, as our sacrifice, uh, as kind of the emphasis in the book of Luke. And so. Um, in, this, in Luke's version of this, he begins uh, by saying something kind of interesting. He says, one day as Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They'd come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. So that's basically everything. That's the whole, that's the whole country. Uh, Jerusalem was the, the capital city in the middle of Judea. And then Galilee... Um, was uh, another uh, region where the Jews lived, but it was kind of separated from Judea by Samaria. Uh, nobody liked the Samaritans. They were, they were, uh, well, they were heretics. They had been intermingling with the, the pagan, the pagans around them. They had joined their religion with the pagan religion. They had some wacky ideas. Jesus was literally the only person in the Gospels who ever would ever go out of his way to talk to a Samaritan. And it freaked everybody out every time. And so, anyway, they, some of these guys have come a long way, is the point. Jesus is making waves by this point in his ministry. And so the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are there, um, who eventually are the ones who's, who kind of led the campaign to, to kill Jesus. But at this point, they're just checking him out. They want to see what's happening. And uh, there are people just crowding around him. And it says that... Um, the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Another kind of interesting, weird little passage there. I think that um, those of us who have been Christians for a while, it's easy for us to kind of think of Jesus as just like, he's God. He's God in the flesh. We believe it. We, we agree to that. Um, and we maybe in our minds neglect the, the doctrine of his humanity, the fact that he is he's both fully God and fully human. Um, if you're not a Christian, of course, you probably have the opposite problem, which is to assume that he was just a man, uh, and that some of this healing and some of this miracle stuff was probably 
blown way out of proportion. Um, it really is, this is, this is a bit of a tangent, but it, it's, it's interesting. Christianity is really the only religion that, that stands or falls based on a historical event. Um, you can't, you know, you, you read the, the teachings of Buddha or of, uh, you know, just many of the Eastern religions, um, or even you look into Islam or, or say Joseph Smith's teachings of the Book of Mormon. Uh, there's nothing really to disprove. Somebody had a vision or somebody just had some cool insights. Um, but the Bible, the New Testament, teaches us that this we're all here because Jesus died and then rose from the dead. Paul says in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, if Christ is not risen, your faith is useless. You're still in your sins. And um, so when you read the, the Gospels, we're reading the stories of these eyewitnesses, uh, most of whom were willing to be displaced from their homes and businesses and livelihoods and, and then eventually even killed uh, for this story. They stuck to it. So something to consider. Um, but here we have the, the power of Jesus present, or the power of God present to heal with Jesus. Jesus taught us, taught his disciples that um, the things that he was doing, we should also have the same faith to ask for. I, I don't know, it's weird. It stretches your faith. Uh, there's, a, there's another story in the book of Mark where uh, Jesus says that, that because of their unbelief in his hometown, he was there speaking. He says he was not able to do many miracles, and he marveled at their lack of unbelief or their lack of belief. Um, but here, this is a story about faith. And, and so I want to I kind of just take a sec to define faith and then, and then call us, hopefully, to a greater faith. So these guys come. Uh, they find the house just packed full. Probably kind of an open house, you know, maybe not just like closed in with one front door. There's, there's maybe open spaces, but every, every space is just crowded full of people. There's no way to get to Jesus. And so these, this, this dude, this paralyzed man, had some really great friends. And they've got him on a mat. Like I picture like a stretcher maybe, I don't know, like the Boy Scouts thing where you make the, you know. And they try to get him in. They can't get him in. There's people everywhere. And so they climb onto the roof and lower him through the tiles into the middle of the crowd. So they just like literally climb onto the roof and start tearing the roof apart and make a pretty big hole because the guy's on a stretcher or a mat. I mean, maybe they kind of, I don't know. So uh, a lot of work, a lot of work here. And it says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Uh, some other translations say, man, your sins are forgiven. Dude, Jesus is like, hey dude, your sins are forgiven. Um, and of course, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, these guys are a little more versed in the scriptures. And so they're, they're you know, you picture them kind of at the back of the room. I don't know, maybe they're in the front of the room. And they say, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? I mean, like, it's, a, it's, a, it's an honest question. It's an understandable question. And Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And so he turned to the paralyzed man and he said, I tell you, get up, take up your mat, go home. Um, the first couple of times I read this story as a, as a kid, I found myself, and maybe some of you have, have kind of, you're reading this and you're thinking the same thing. I found myself really empathizing with this paralyzed guy who is like, I mean, maybe he's a, a 
total extrovert, but still it's weird, right? You're like, you're on a, a map and you're just lowered through the roof and in front of Jesus, like who everybody is there to see, everyone you know, lots of people you don't know, all the most important people in the literal country. And, uh, and then he's just laying there. And then Jesus like starts telling him, your sins are forgiven you. And then he's still just laying there. <laughs> It's awkward, right? It's weird. And, uh, and then almost as an afterthought, Jesus is just like nonchalantly, because of an argument that he's having, like that some people can't hear because he's reading their minds, because of this argument that he's having, he just turns to him and says, okay, you know what? So that you know that I have the authority to forgive sins. So that you know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Um, like it's weird. Uh, and so, I, I, yeah, I remember reading this and just kind of being like, Jesus is kind of being a jerk, like, to this guy. I don't know. Is it just me? Is anybody? Nobody? It's just me. Uh, what, am I, what am I doing preaching here? Uh, I guess we're all more spiritual. I'm just kidding. Um, and so Jesus is, is there, and he kind of just, he just proves this point. Um, and so I think one of the most important things that we can get from this, and, and, and really kind of the first point that I want to make, is, is that um, if it hasn't happened to you this week, it's probably going to happen to you next week or sometime really soon. You're going to bump into a situation where you want something and God is not seeming to give it to you, where you're asking for something and you're just not getting it, um, where it's, it's, you're beginning to suspect that God's priorities are different than your priorities. Uh, and if we're being honest, it kind of sucks. We don't like it. We don't like it. We don't like it. Um, I mean, we all think that God probably knows more than us, but not about this, right? I know this situation in my life. And, uh, and so you find yourself just kind of, like if you're pretty spiritual, like me, you don't admit it. You don't say, well, God knows, you know, but you're just mad. You're a little like, I'm sure he knows. God knows what he's doing. But you're a little grumpy when you pray. Um, or maybe you find yourself feeling a little distant. Maybe you find yourself, your heart, like pulling away and, and just having a tough time trusting, trusting God. Uh, we've all been there. I'm sure of it. And we all will continue to be there because God does that stuff on purpose. He is trying to stretch our faith and he's trying to, to get a point across. This is a really, really important point. There's nothing that you have ever planned or imagined for your life that can hold a candle to what God has in store for you. There's, there's nothing that any of us could ever ask for um, that can compare to what God already has in store for us. Um, Ephesians says, I has not seen ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man, the good things that God has in store for those who love him. And then he goes on to say, but, but he is revealing them to us through his spirit. And so that's a, that's a process. That's a conversation. Uh, so my first challenge to you today is to um, allow the Holy Spirit to begin to reveal to you the ways in which maybe God's plans are just better. I mean, they're just better. Maybe it's okay. Maybe he knows what he's doing. Maybe the creator of the universe and the literal reason we're all here knows a few things that we don't. Um, and, and just let that sink into your heart a little bit. We are, we are dependent um, on God's wisdom. 
Um, all right, so there, there you go. So God's, Jesus is there, and he's forgiving people when he ought to be healing them. He's arguing with the Pharisees. He's got this guy laying there. Uh, but another thing that we can notice from this, and a, a, a thing that I think is, is pretty easy for us to understand, is that um, in reality, Jesus addressed this man's most urgent and most important need first. He really was actually doing exactly what he should have been doing. Jesus is the great physician. Uh, if you were, God forbid, in a car accident and you went into the ER, the trauma surgeon would not just bandage the first cut that she or he saw. They would actually like do some x-rays. They would check you out. What if you've got internal bleeding? If you've got internal bleeding, if you have something really bad happening and you also have a broken leg, the broken leg might be more painful, but it is not more urgent. The, a, a, a good doctor, a skilled doctor, is going to address your most urgent need first, right? That's kind of easy for us to understand. Um, if you're a parent, your kid might have all sorts of opinions about what they want to eat, but you know that it's not always the best thing to eat. And so you sometimes say no. You give them what's better. Um, elsewhere in the Gospel of Luke here, uh, Luke gives us uh, his version of the Sermon on the Mount, and um, he said, if you had a, 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 you know, a kid, a, a daughter or a son, who asked you for bread, would you give them a stone? If they asked you for an egg, would you give them a scorpion? And the answer is no, obviously. And he said, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And so this is a, the confidence that we can have that when you pray, be like, a, be like a child. Ask him. Ask him, for, ask him for a scorpion, for all I care. He's smart. He won't do it. He'll say no. Uh, ask him for anything you want to ask him for, and then trust him. Trust the answer. I think that's the, that's the approach that we should be taking. I think a lot of us are um, we're a little too in our heads. You know, Jesus, Jesus told us that... Um, if you really, if you want to enter the kingdom, you got to come in like a little child, right? Like a little child, like a toddler. Uh, and, and one of the things that really marks the requests of a small child is that they can't differentiate between little asks and big asks. They don't know what's appropriate. They just ask. Just give it to me. And just, they don't like wheel and deal. They don't make, they don't offer, like, if you give me the cookie, I'll clean my room this week. Like, a three-year-old doesn't do that. Maybe by the time they're seven or eight or ten. Um, but a, a kid is just like, just give it to me, please. Well, usually they don't even say please. They just, they just ask. Um, and God has given us that gift. Hebrews tells us that um, he is, he is, created a new and living way right into the throne room uh, through, through what Christ did. The, the, the veil has been torn in half, and here we are. We're offered the opportunity, the insane opportunity, the kind of scary opportunity to go before the literal judge and creator of all the earth and ask for whatever we want, whatever's on our mind. Um, we're called to learn to ask in accordance to his will. We're called to, to know him more. We're called to, to begin to, to grow in that. But mostly we just need to ask. We just need to go and ask. Um, 
Like, imagine a king or a president. The only person who has complete access to that person would be their, their child, a small child. If, if the president of the United States has a four-year-old son, the president's own wife can't wake him up at three in the morning and say, hey, I need a glass of water. He'll be like, can you not get it yourself? Like, you know, but if it's a little kid, then they're going to be the one. A little kid can come in at any, oppor- at any inner, inopportune moment uh, and ask for anything. And that is the type of faith that this story shows us. These guys, like it's pretty inappropriate. It's kind of, it's kind of, they're the ones being rude too. They started it. If Jesus is being rude, they were rude first. They tore a hole in the roof in the middle of his sermon, which was, I'm sure, so much better than this sermon that you're hearing right now. Uh, and they just interrupted and they just asked. And Jesus said, it, the, the, what Luke tells us is that Jesus saw their faith and he turned to the man and said, your sins are forgiven. Um, there's, there's a reason that it's not enough to just like sit at home and listen to Tim Keller podcast or whatever, some really great preacher, um, and just have your own kind of church by yourself every Sunday morning. There's a reason we do this together. There's a reason we come together. We are strengthened and we are blessed and we are um, built up by each other's faith. We need each other. We have to. We have to have that. Um, and it's it's been my prayer. It's been our prayer all morning. Um, we've prayed for y'all like half a dozen times. That Clint just that was like just one more. We've been praying that that that's exactly what would happen. That the, that the Holy Spirit would open our hearts. That we would see God um, for who He is in the in the passages of the of, uh, Scripture. The Bible teaches us that God has, um, God has revealed himself. The Bible, one of my friends one time made a, made a comment. He said, uh, it was a long time ago. He said, the Bible seems like a really long, elaborate answer to a question I didn't ask. Uh, have you ever felt like that? Like, he's got, he's got complaints and they're not getting addressed. He has grievances and they're not getting addressed. Um, maybe you have felt that way too. Um, Jesus did that a lot, actually. This is one example. Like almost, there's almost no examples anywhere in the Gospels of Jesus answering a, a question exactly the way the person worded it. He answers like, usually someone will ask him something and then he'll just tell them what they actually need to hear. And it's almost never the exact answer to the question. Um, and that's, that's what's happening here. These guys are implicitly asking Jesus says, presumably, Luke says that the power of God is present to heal. A lot of people have been getting healed. And so they're like, we got a big one for you. We got an important one for you. And here he is right in front of you. And they ask for that. And instead, Jesus gives this guy something better. And that's, that's I guess, my final challenge this morning. Um, when you read the scripture... Um, you see the answers to questions of, of who God is, of who we are, of what our ultimate purpose is, uh, how it's all gonna end. Like, these are really important questions. But we focus on smaller questions most of the time. 
we're, we're focused on small stuff. We're focused on the cares of this world, the day-to-day -day stuff. And it's stuff that needs to be addressed. It's stuff that has to get, get dealt with. Um, but if it's the only thing you're concerned about, it may be that you don't really believe the answer to the big questions. That you don't really believe that the, that the big answers are the important ones. That the thing that God has offered is the most important thing. Um, what good would it be? What profit would it be for a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? And that's the gift that Jesus gives to this guy. And it's the gift that he offers to each one of us. Um, at, the end of the, at the end of the story, Jesus heals the man. Uh, verse 25, immediately he stood up in front of them all, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. And everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. If you remember at the beginning of the story there, that everyone includes like all the Pharisees. It includes basically everybody. It includes a lot of people who 20 chapters later, 18 chapters later, um, incite the Romans to crucify Jesus. Like they saw this happen. They saw him raise a paralyzed man in front of them all. They saw him open the eyes of the blind. They saw him raise a guy from the dead, a couple of people actually. Um, but what he was saying, what he was asking them to do was too much. He was asking them to lay everything down that they had been working for and hoping for and to, to completely upend their understanding of how the world worked. Um, he was asking them to, to let go, like the, 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 the Jewish, the history of the Jewish people is mostly, if you read the Old Testament, just them like worshiping idols, doing crazy stuff. Eventually they're taken into exile. When they came back from exile, they actually never again fell into idol worship. They kind of, the pendulum swung really far in the opposite direction. And so now they had, you have the Pharisees who were like, we've got to keep the law or we're going, we're going back into exile. And so they, they were keeping the law like really well. Um, but Jesus' main complaint with them is that he said, you've missed the point. You've missed justice and mercy. It, they, were, they were mean. They were hard-hearted. They were very, very self-centered. And they were very proud. They were very arrogant. Um, they came to God with all of their law-keeping as if God owed them something. And um, Jesus said, that's not going to work. You've got to come like a little child. You don't, you don't have any grounds to demand anything. You just ask because you're a child because God is our father and, and that, they couldn't do it they couldn't do it, most of them couldn't a few of the Pharisees actually did believe and, and most of the ones who did believe kept it quiet John tells us because they were scared of their friends um, and so that's my challenge today for, for all of us here as, as, as we close um, there, are, there are some of us almost always in, in these services, who are here 
and you're thinking about it, you're searching, you're looking, you're you're welcome, you're so welcome here, and we're glad you're here, but maybe you haven't actually taken that step of, of really trusting in Christ. Um, maybe you think to be a Christian is to like just be a good person. That's, I think that's what most people think. I think that's what almost everybody would say if you just you know, polled a random sampling of Atwater Village. Um, hopefully, hopefully, Ken and the other leaders here have done a good enough job of explaining the gospel to us that if we took a random sampling of this room, we would get a slightly different answer. To be a Christian is not to like be good at doing good stuff. Um, to be a Christian is to, is to just let go of your own goodness and trust in God's. It's to say, I'm actually spiritually paralyzed. I'm, I'm helpless. I don't, I don't have what it takes, and I'm never getting out of this hole. Unless, unless Lord, you reach out your hand. And to be a Christian is to, is to not only come with that posture, but to then discover immediately that, that, that Christ is willing. That that's, in fact, the whole reason he came. Um, that he loves us. That God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish. That's it, that's the deal, that's the transaction. It's not about doing good, it's about believing in him. It's about, um, it's about trusting in him. There are some in this room, I think, who maybe are, are just maybe getting that for the first time. There, there are probably more of us in this room who got that a long time ago. We know, like we get it. Um, but maybe we need to be reminded. Maybe we, maybe we have found ourselves a little grumpy uh, that not all of our prayers are getting answered in the way that we want at the time that we want. And maybe we just need to trust. Maybe we just need to be called again to, to trust God, that he really is good. He's so smart. Our plans are so bad, and his plans are so good. Um, and we should trust. We should trust. And so... So as we uh, transition to the Lord's Supper, um, let's keep that in mind. Let's keep that thought in mind. This is not something that we do to save us. It's something that we do to remind us. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. This is not something that we do because we are worthy of doing it. It's something that we do actually because we're unworthy. Like the only people that should be taking the Lord's Supper are people who understand that they don't deserve the Lord's Supper. Um, that, that it's a gift. It's, it's the most precious gift that we've ever been given. Um, so, Let's move into it. Grab your cup. The Bible tells us that on the night that he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, had a, had a last meal with his disciples. Uh, with the, and he, uh, everybody got it? Everybody got one? Uh-oh, uh-oh. 
job. Family, we need each other. That's uh, the illustration of the sermon. So uh, he took bread. The, the bread that they were used to eating at this Passover meal is a symbol of their deliverance from Egypt, from the bondage of Egypt. And he said, from now on, this bread is my body that is broken for you. He said, do this in remembrance of me. So let's remember him as we take together. And then in the same way, after dinner, he took the cup, after supper, King James says. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, poured out for the forgiveness of many. Um, as often as you drink it, drink it in, remem in memory of me, in remembrance of me. So let's remember him now as we drink. Paul says in First uh, Corinthians that as, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's um, let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are at work. We thank you that in you we, we live and move and have our being. We thank you, Lord, that, that we are here today because you called us here. And we thank you that you love us so, so much that there's no lengths you would not go to to reveal your love to us. God, that there's no distance you wouldn't travel to rescue us from our wandering and from our, from our sin, from our betrayal of you. Help us to trust you, Father. Help us to trust in your power. Help us to trust in your wisdom. Help us to trust in your goodness. There is nothing that we have that is better than knowing that we are reconciled to you, that we can enter into your presence anytime, like a, like a kid like your sons and daughters, and that we are welcome there. May this, may this truth penetrate our hearts. May it bear fruit in our lives for the glory of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.